Hi guys, thanks as always for choosing to listen to another one of Henry Weston's Old Mate The Podcast. Tonight I am joined by Jamie Pond, an old friend of mine, a recovering cocaine addict. Um, Me and Jamie discuss both of our addictions uh, and Jamie talks us through how uh, he uses CA, Cocaine Anonymous, to continue his excellent recovery from the dark times of uh, an expensive destructive addiction i hope you enjoy the episode please leave us some feedback uh, hello good evening and uh, welcome to henry weston's old mate the podcast uh this evening i'm joined by an old friend of mine jamie jamie are you with us yeah hello sir how are you I'm good, mate. Thank you so much for uh, giving me some time. Uh, we're here to do something that is close to both of our hearts, and I think that's to have a chat about uh, addiction and recovery from addiction, mate, aren't we? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so, obviously, you, you know, you got in touch with me uh, a few months ago after I'd seen your brother Dan, mm. uh, and you sort of, we, we had a little chat about your story and my story over, over the text message. Um, I'm obviously a recovering alcoholic. You're a recovering addict uh, from a slightly different direction, really, is it, Jay? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm an addict, so um, I, I'm, I'm addicted to anything that's possible, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> anything uh, to change my thinking, I'm addicted to it. Yeah, I I understand that, mate. Um, I, I obviously I my my, my uh, blog started with I don't know if I'd become addicted to spending money, but I'd certainly become addicted to wasting money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, do you want to talk us through a couple of your sort of the or the vice that really sort of turned your life upside down was? You know, my my drug of choice was uh, cocaine. And, um, you know, in the early days of my drug using, it was any drug. It didn't really matter what it was, you know, and that's when it was fun. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, as the years come along and I've become a father, I, I whittled all that out. And, yeah. Um, you know, just stuck to cocaine, you know. Um, and, yeah, it, it took me to some terrible, terrible places. Um, and my thinking still wants me to do that as well, you know. It's, it's, it's mental how, how addictive what this disease can do to somebody it is um so if 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 i can sort of if i could just sort of rewind a fracture there jay that's obviously yeah. very honest so as as a young man sort of you know because i me and you probably first met when i was sort of 18 and i guess you're, you're a fraction younger than me aren't you jamie yeah um i'm 39 now yeah, and I've just turned 41, so you'd have been sort of 16. And, and we knew each other from, from the cricket club, but we liked to have a pint or two, didn't we? Yeah, we uh, did. Um, but back then, what was it? A bit of bit of smoking weed, possibly? Or just what was a, what was about back then? You know, it, it, was, it was weed when I was 16. The thing is, I didn't really like it. I was only doing it to fit in. Uh, <laughs> my, my choice of drug back then was definitely alcohol, as you know. Yeah. Um, and it, it was for me from the age of 14. Okay, and you were you were you were a, a drinker from the age. I mean, I had my first drink at sixteen, I think, but I didn't really start enjoy drinking probably till I was eighteen. Uh, but you 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 were you were active drinker at the age of fourteen, Jamie. Yeah, I I, I I used to you know get what I could with my mate Stephen at the time and mm-hmm. um, a couple of other friends from the school. 
Um, so it was. It wasn't very often. It was, you know, if we got lucky, we were definitely going to drink it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't start drinking properly until I was sixteen, um, where you know I was able to, you know, jump on a train and go and see friends, and you know, we used to take our school tie off and go into a pub in town. And, <laughs> in Southwards. No, no, in Deal. You know. Oh, okay. There, because um, and obviously, you know, there was a the little village pub down the road. They, they, um. I think I think one of the barmen behind there actually picked us up from school and took us to the park. <laughs> you know? So it was easy. It was easy. And and the rules were if we didn't make any noise and we didn't cause any fights or any trouble, we were allowed to sit like good boys in the corner. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I, I remember saying to somebody once, you know, that helped me because it made me respect alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> You know. I think I, I think I respected alcohol for for quite a lot of years, um, not towards the end, mm. but um, but yeah, I mean, when when I, I I guess when when like I say back in the day, it's it's a funny old saying back in the day, but mm. I think we were probably just normal normalist youngsters, weren't we? We 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 drink too much, but <laughs> it was never. It was never, uh, we wouldn't have described ourselves as um, addicts back then, would we, Jamie? No, no, we hadn't crossed that line back then, mate, you know. And the thing is, out of all the people when I was that age knocking about, you were the only one that I'm aware of that's actually, you know, become and admitted they're addicts, do you know? Everybody else seems to have, it didn't grip them like it's gripped you and me. Yeah, and, and it and it really, it really did grip. It, it really did grip me. Uh, it probably, you know, people who read my 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 blog, it, it probably did grip me for the last fifteen years of my drinking. Uh, definitely, the last five to seven years were, were, were certainly there were there were spells of alcoholism, if you can say that, and then two two to three years of full blown addiction. But yeah. I I was displaying alcoholic tendencies sort of in my later years at university. That that first time I I drank in excess to go to sleep and then realized it sort of worked, but, but then was doing it every night. And, and there was certainly a point where I, I wasn't drinking to go to sleep. I, I was drinking because I just enjoyed being shit faced in a room on my own. Yeah. Um, which is, if that's not addiction, I don't really know what is. Well, you know, for, for me, you know, drinking is supposed to be a social thing. And I don't know when I stopped enjoying going out. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was that long ago. And obviously that's when I crossed the line. You know, I was always, when I, whether I was going to the pub, I'd have to be the first one in the, in the pub. Yeah. And I'd have to be the last one to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that. I mean, I was slightly different to you. I, I mean, I always took the approach that I was just going to drink as much as I could, as quick as I could. But I, I was the guy who would, get the shots of Sambuca or tequila in uh, after two, you know, two rounds of pints and then, right, let's have the shots. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which isn't normal behaviour. I've, I've since learned it's not normal behaviour. Well, you know, for me, I thought it was. Yeah, so you know, did I. Everybody else is doing it, so what's wrong? You know, let's rewind back to when I was, when I was 18. I was asked to, um, I was fostered at the age of nine and... I was asked to leave at 18 and because I was classed as a problem child, you know, I was being this rebel teenager. Now let's get this right. What I was doing was I was going to the pub with my mates. Yeah. 
and drugs wasn't really involved back then. I was just going to the pub with my mates and I'd pick the odd woman up and I wouldn't come home. Yeah. You know, between 16 and 18 years old, I was doing this. And then when I read when I read my report, because you can ask for your report, one of the reasons why I um, was asked to leave is because they didn't want me to be a bad influence on my little brother. <laughs> OK. And your little brother being Dan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and of course, what he was doing at that age was exactly the same as me. Except <laughs> I was going home. He was staying around friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. You see, and um, because we were all doing it, but they just see me. I was the one that was stupid. And I suppose I didn't care either, like coming in and waking anybody up at four in the morning. I didn't care because mm-hmm. um, I was selfish, you know, and, and right back then. And, so you know, they they, they classed me as, you know, I, I was I was different. You know, I was I was being a rebel. You know, does that make sense? Um, no, it, it totally makes sense. And is that... Um... Obviously, we, we don't want to go. I won't go too deep into to, to the situation of you being fostered. But um, is it fair to say, sort of, as a foster child, you maybe felt not unloved, but you felt maybe you feel you felt you didn't have a place in the world, is um, that, or a place to call home? Maybe. To be fair, before I got into before I was put in care, I was able to shut my feelings down yeah. long before I could become, I come into foster care. Okay. So I've been asked these questions many times and I still don't know the answers to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I'm still a work in process and I'm still trying to unravel these things because I desperately need to know. Yeah. In order to be able to move forward, I've got to go back and undig everything and, you know, find out why I, well, I now know why I didn't feel anything when we were put in care or, you know, um, the, the fact that, you know, I never see my mum for a long time and stuff like this. It's because I called myself emotionally retarded back then. I had this ability just to stick a wall up mm-hmm. and nobody could get through it. And that's what exactly what I did when I was put in care and when we got put through to a new school and all of this at, at, the, at the age of nine, I just put this barrier up and no one could get through it. And you were and that was that was a purely a mental barrier because obviously at the mm. age of nine you wouldn't have been using alcohol or drugs or anything to, to as, a, as a sort of a numbing, to numb many feelings or anything. So you would simply just shut your, your, your mind off from it all? And yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I've got... That's very, that takes a very strong nine-year-old, Jamie. It's, 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 it's a, a defence mechanism that you have, that you use so that you don't get hurt mm-hmm. and let anybody in. So at 14, when I found alcohol, alcohol did exactly what I couldn't do. And that was make me be somebody I'm not. Okay. The person that everybody thought I should be. Yeah. So I, that's what I did. I drank. I was the fool. I was the hard man. I was, I was, I was the, the sensitive one. I could be all of these things when I took a drink. Yeah. But when I wasn't drinking, I, I, I just, I just existed. You know, I, I had football. I had cricket. Um, you know, I personally, I feel that my first addiction was football. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I, I would, I wasn't very good at it, Stuart, but I. Oh, did. I seem to remember you were all right, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, okay, but you know, it was, it was. I could be myself on there, and a lot it's... of aggression used to come out in the football pitch, and yeah. you know, I was allowed to do that. I was allowed to swear and. 
all of this and it come out because obviously, uh, and I, I and I took it quite seriously, too seriously, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think football was probably my first addiction as a kid. Well, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I probably need to go back and look at my, my the reason for my, you know, behaviour on the sports field. I, I wrote in a blog a few months ago about, I, I, I vividly remember the first time on a school basketball match uh, playing away uh, and I completely lost my temper with my PE teacher who was refereeing the match. And it's the first time it happened. Uh, I don't really know where that came from, but that, that set the tone for my behaviour on the sports pitch for a good 15 years after that. Uh, mm. That's just who I was. And, and like you've <laughs> just mentioned, uh, I wasn't really, you know, if I got sent off, I'd serve my ban or something. But then, because my talent for, for sports was, was okay across quite a few sports, so I'd, I'd normally be welcomed back in because my talent was worth putting up with the swearing and the monk-ons and the back-throwing. Mm. Uh, and I wasn't really pulled up for it. You know, I'd get the odd letter, but I was generally not allowed to do what I wanted. But but when I did overstep the line, I got a little slap on the wrist, but I was allowed back next week. Yeah. Uh, which uh, probably didn't do me any good, but I, I don't know if a, a sitting down and a stern word probably wouldn't have done me any good because I wouldn't have listened. No, of course, we don't listen, do we? You know, no. We'll, we will do exactly what the hell we want to do. Yeah. And that's a that's a that's a that's a young teenage thing as well as certainly that's a trait of addiction, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, I'm, you know, I'm I'm part. I I, I do a twelve step fellowship now, and yeah, uh, you know, now when I talk to friends and talk to people and well, work colleagues and things like that, you know, they'll say things, and it's just like, oh, really? Is that what you do? Because we can spot spot an addict off from a mile off now because we're clean and straight. Yeah, yeah, and we and I, you could certainly spot somebody who's who, who may well be struggling, uh, heading down a path that you you rather they didn't walk down. But uh, sadly, you have to let them take a few steps down it, don't you? You do. You know, it's, we we call it rock bottom. Yeah. So um, if we 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 might come, we'll come on to, we'll come to, to that. that bit, Jay. Yeah. But um, if 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 we're so, so we've discussed, you know, drinking at a young age. You sort of found drinking at fourteen, and really started drinking regularly at, at sixteen, as you say. Um, how did? Uh, I mean, you grew up in in the small village of Worth. How did? How did the cocaine sort of find its way to be a, a regular sort of drug of choice? Because I mean, we know, or we know, cocaine is everywhere in the in the Western world. Um, how? Did you seek it out? Were you offered it and enjoyed it? How did it come about? The first few times that I would have been offered it, I, I said no. I, I didn't want to get involved in it. And then um, I started working away from home and my foreman on the firm yeah. was a, was raging about it and bang on it. And he'd be like, oh, you'll be all right. It'll be fine. Anyway, working with somebody like that every day, yeah, telling me I'll be okay every day, I believed it. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, all right, because right. we worked away and I'd be gone on Monday, come back Friday. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we'd do two weeks away. Um, I said, all right, well, you know, we'll get, order some up then and we'll get some. And um, that's what we did, you know. And, and so I was getting it over in a funny way. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, 
I used to be able to pick a packet up and it would last me until the weekend. Still talking, what, 80 to £100 a gram, are we, Joe? Yeah, it, it was, back then it was around about 50 to 60 quid. And then oh, it's the not one. cheap, is it? Sorry? It's not cheap. No, no, no. Mm. And, um, you know, um, it, it's, it's the most expensive drug you can have. Can, can you sort of talk us through those... Sort of, uh, so if you picked up a gram to get you through a week, say it lasted you a week, you were finishing work for the day and what, taking a couple of lines just to, to yeah, you know, line in the well, evening up? Or? Yeah, you were talking, I'd only need a line and, and I was good for the rest of the night. Um, wow. And, you know, I could, I, could, I, could, I could do a line, leave it at home, not take it to the pubs and get caught because, you know, I was all new to this. Yeah. Um, so I'd be able to do a line at home and then go out. And leave it at home and not think about it for the rest of the night. You right. Know? And um, yeah, it, it actually, you know, I, I, I used to get into quite a few fights and things like that back then. I found that when I did cocaine, like, the fighting stopped. Okay. So, I mean, uh, so you found it, 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 it would take the edge off things. It, you, mm -hmm. weren't, you weren't taking cocaine to go and hit the dance floor or. No. Go and go and get live. It would it would be a sort. Of, it it would take the edge off, and then you'd what? Just go to the pub and have a few pints with the guys. Yeah, and then obviously you know then then um, you know don't forget it's a village pub. Yeah. You know, so you know there there was a couple of others of of us in there that did it, but again, it was pretty much the same as how I was doing it. You know, I, some of them I couldn't even tell done any. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it, it was mainly, you know, we were there for the drink back then. And, you know, it just, all it did was calmed my, I, I was aware of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's because, you know, the black, it kind of slowed down the blackouts. Right, yeah. And yeah. and so you were, at, by that point, you were you were drinking heavy, large amounts most evenings, this sort of thing. Is this, is this yeah. what? Yeah, you know, the, the way I see it, see it was you know I, I used to think I drank quite a lot back then but my ex-wife you know she said actually no we didn't we'd go to the pub and have cokes but I don't remember those and if I'm honest I don't really remember much between 18 and 25 okay I don't really remember much of it because I didn't pick up drugs until I was 21 right yeah 21 it was just pure blackouts yeah wouldn't have a clue what the hell's gone on and then from 21 to about 23 it was it was um, whatever I could get my hands on. Once once I started venturing outside, um, basically the same. My foreman started introducing me to pills and speed, and you know uh, we did a little bit of crack cocaine together. But that was that. I had the wits about me not to do too much of that. Okay. Who nourish? Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. there's, that doesn't end well, does it? No, no, and I'm I'm really grateful that I didn't, because um, you know I've got some friends that have, right? And, you know, they're they're doing okay. Some aren't, but you know, there's some are doing okay. Um, but with with um, so when you were saying about you know taking cocaine for the dance floor and things like that, for me that's what pills was for. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I wasn't a very good dancer. I still aren't. And, um, <laughs> you know, but now I don't care who's looking at me, where back then the ego was very big. Right, yeah. And, um, you know, back then I think, obviously I enjoyed cocaine and taking drugs, but I think, you know, it was basically also it was an ego status as well, you know.
Yeah, and it was it was it was it was popular. I mean, it still is, isn't it? But I mean, probably if if you know if you if if that was the crowd you were hanging out with, you'd have certainly everyone you were sort of hanging around with was probably into the same sort of things, Jay. Yeah, uh, that's why that's why we congregate. You know, I I I my most of my friends I don't think don't know if any alcoholics but we used to hang around together because we all liked drinking the same way we used to like drinking to to get pissed have a laugh and get a little bit leery but you know hopefully not upset too many people we weren't we weren't fighters but we were certainly troublemakers later on in the evenings yeah but, but we all congregated together because that's that we were, were like-minded wallies or idiots if you like yeah, yeah absolutely you know and, and we surround ourselves around like-minded people mm-hmm it's a, it's a there's a certain amount of safeness as well, isn't there? You're not gonna people, you know. No one was ever gonna tell me not to order another round of sambucas because deep down they enjoyed drinking the sambuca with me. And even if they'd said something to me, I was gonna buy it anyway. Much mm. like they were gonna buy the next round of tequilas, whether I'd said something or not. Yeah. For them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, and and um, again, I can't say that my friends back then are all alcoholics or drug addicts. You know, because not everybody is. Yeah. And for, for me, you know, when I was going out with my friends and things like that, yeah, like I said, I don't know when I stopped enjoying it, but the amount of times I'd come home and, and the ex-wife would ask me, did I have a good night? The amount of times I said no, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to trust her when she says how many times. She said it was more often than not, I'd say no or it was all right. Yeah. But the fact is that, you know, I, I'd probably been barely laughing at because we've pulled a prank on somebody who didn't want a prank pulled on them and yeah you know all, all of this you know and and um looking back at it it's absolutely madness yeah, and did the did the did did your ex-wife know what was going on i mean did she know you were going out and, and sort of taking drugs in reasonably sort of large quantities or yeah yeah she, she yeah. um because i told her you know, I said, look, yeah. you know, I've been taking drugs and things like this. And we split up for a little bit and then come back. And, you know, I I, I, I went through stages of being able to put it down and picking it up, putting it down and picking it up. Um, and it wasn't until I was probably oh, about 30. Right. When I couldn't hide when I picked it up. Okay. You know, um, so what you'd 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 pick it up, say, and and you'd have to get into it. What you your anxiety? You, you'd you'd pick a packet up, and then you'd you'd want to have a dabble, or yeah, you know, I wouldn't be able to hide it because it was so much. I was doing. So oh, okay. Much. You know, before that, I used to be able to hide it because it only be a few bits. So right. you know, I'd say it's, I'm not too sure if I'm on a Stuart. I, I think further. I'm just plucking an age out of the sky there. Because it's so carnaged and it's it was it's all such like a blur. So talk to us, talk to me about you know the worst of you know when it got as bad as your mind will allow you to remember. How mm. how much either in quantity or financially? How much do you think you were doing uh, a week? So I I can't tell you how much I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um. I was back back when I first started doing it. Um, we were buying an ounce at a time and going three ways, with, um, and that would last me quite a long time. 
Okay. But the last few times, it's uh, the way I describe it is I earn a thousand pound a week, and I still owe the dealer's money at the end of it. Wow! So that's uh, you know that's pretty heavy consumption, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. But and then you and you've got you've got a wife and and children by then, Jamie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've got you've got you know you've got outgoings other than your you know your narcotics, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking. To, I hope that didn't sound condescending. That's not how I meant it, mate. But obviously, what I'm trying to say is, you, you probably must have found yourself in a bit of a financial pickle at times. Uh, yeah, there were many times. You know, many, many a time. And and in fact, the last that what what made me really, really hit my rock bottom was when um, I'd left my ex-wife, and it was Christmas, and I was still doing a thousand pound a week. Um still owing the dealer's money and I didn't stop at Christmas you didn't stop taking no which okay. all my money went on cocaine and I didn't buy my children anything for Christmas so that's that was that was rock bottom for you yeah I believe so yeah that was yeah yeah but, um you know it's it's also um I used to be embarrassed by it yeah, which is it's 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 only human to be embarrassed by, by something like that. I mean, let's be honest. We uh, as addicts, we are big enough to ex- admit that we made mistakes, and and on, on your beh- behalf, that that was a huge mistake, wasn't it? To put to put your to, to buy drugs ahead of Christmas presents, but you were in the middle of of an addiction that you were, was was out of your control by then, wasn't it? Uh- Absolutely, you know, absolutely, and you know, it was, it was. I was embarrassed because I thought, you know, well, people will go, "Who could do that?" And I used to think, "How could I do that? Why have I done that?" And the reality of it is, Stuart, is I love cocaine more than my children. At the time, so yeah, I'm yeah. In the height of my addiction, I loved cocaine and drinking with my mates down the pub more than my kids. You know, I I leave work, I'll go straight to the pub instead of coming home to my kids mm-hmm. and my, my ex-wife at the time. You know, I I loved I loved doing all of that over them. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it because it's okay going to the pub to go and have one, but I wouldn't I wouldn't come home. They'd be in bed when I get home. I did your and and. And you, you knew, and your your wife at the time knew that you weren't coming home, didn't you? But, yeah. but, but, you also both probably hoped that maybe one day you would start coming home. But in reality, <laughs> you were never going to come home. No, sorry, I was just having a drink. Um, no, no, of course I wasn't going to come home. You know, every time I say to her, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be home by eight. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, and then eight o'clock will come, and then. 10 o'clock would come and 12 o'clock would come and 2 o'clock would come and then I'll, I'll have to get a taxi or walk home. You know, it was um, it was never... I, I don't recall really ever actually going home sober. No, I mean, I, 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 I certainly know with my, with my alcoholism, certainly for... There was eight, the, the final 18 months of my drinking, I wasn't sober for a period of 24 hours ever. Mm. But probably in the last five years of my drinking, um, I'd be surprised if there were more than 48 hours in a week that I was truly sober, mm. Mm. Um, which is, 
which is quite worrying, really, when you, you know, when you think of uh, my daughter's five now. I've been sober, what, three and a half years. So certainly, well, the first year of, of her life was was me leading to my rock bottom. Mm. But but the time, the, the, the build up to that, you know, my wife was, was pregnant with our first child. We hadn't been married very long and I was in full blown addiction. And as much as you know, I love my wife and my daughter, Dearly, you know, they're the most important things in the world. But but back then, obviously, the drink rivaled that sort of love I had for my mm. wife because I, I I couldn't I couldn't physically every day I'd get on my bike or in my car to leave work and I never once got past that alcohol shop on DLC front. I always stopped. Mm-hmm. And and for the three miles it took me cycling from work to there, I'd just tell myself like today's the day I don't stop. And I stopped every single day. Yeah. Uh, and I can't, you know, that's very hard for me to explain. I explain to people, you know, if people are, you know, ask my story, that's what, that's sort of an, an example I will use. Or the other example, the, the, the day I actually nearly or ended up in hospital mm-hmm. uh, I, when I was puking up blood for 14 to 18 hours. And in between puking up blood, I was still trying to drink vodka. Yeah. Uh, how, how can that be? normal well it's not normal but someone will say how why you know why did it you just surely you didn't want to drink vodka if you were puking up blood <laughs> and i was like well I, I probably didn't but i was and i was still trying yeah, yeah. uh so but, let's 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 put a positive spin on it a bit now Jay. how long have you been sober mate um 15 months excellent uh and 15 months um so so what you talk about your rock bottom as that Christmas, but yep. what what was the? Uh, can you talk us through the, the day you just decided enough's enough? I want to change this, and tell us how mm. did it it come about? Obviously, my my sobriety came about from a spell in hospital, and a, a good friend of my brother's who was in a twelve step program offered to come and see me, um, I, and I ended up attending AA meetings after that. That's how I sort of found my road to, to sobriety how about you well me um well i had split up with my ex-wife by now and i got with an, an, another woman who actually i'm i'm still with today and i was i was clean at the time when i met her i managed to go 18 months without any help but what happened was i never changed and okay. I was horrible dry drunk horrible <laughs> um and but she met me and what was she liked about me was the fact that I didn't do any drugs, didn't drink. And then obviously I picked up yeah, and things we started arguing a lot. And then you know, it was sort of a night of a real bad night with her daughter and us. And we ended up arguing and we split up. And I was like, oh, mate, I can't keep going on like this. Yeah. You know, I, I need to get back to being that person I was when we first met. Um, it turns out I, nobody wants to, me to be that person that I was when we first met. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was able to hide that side of me to, to her. Of course, obviously, the drugs, it come out. Mm-hmm. That side of me come out. Um, and then, you know, Christmas came and uh, I didn't get them anything for Christmas. My, my little brother, my uh, ex-wife and her sister had to foot the Christmas bill that year. Okay. Baddied up and, and the children didn't have a clue. Um, and I found CA. I looked it up. I just sat on the sofa and I was like, I need to find something. I 
cocaine's my problem. I need mm-hmm. to find something. And CA, cocaine anonymous, was was my my go-to thing. And I remember my first meeting, I went in on a Monday night. It's a gratitude meeting, lovely meeting. And at the end of it, some guy said, well, you're an alcoholic as well. I went, no, 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 cocaine's my problem. <laughs> and he laughed. Well, now I know what he's laughing about because one of the steps is when you're, um, when you're going through the steps, one of the questions was, you know, name three things that you're ashamed of while in active addiction. And all three just involved alcohol. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, and then when, I, when you go through the steps and you start seeing your part in things and look, you know, the reason why I wasn't a full blown alcoholic is because I found cocaine. Okay, so it was. It probably it it just beat the booze to the line, did it? In a in a sense, absolutely. You know, and um, yeah, it was the best thing I ever did. But I didn't get it straight away, as you could probably gather by the maths. You know, I I my my sobriety date is the fourteenth of April. Um, okay, last year, um, and lockdown had a bit to do that. I could sit there and reel off a load of excuses, but the fact is, it was put in front of me, and I did it. Okay, I mean it's yeah. I I I'm I don't call say I'm fortunate that I I haven't suffered a relapse yet. I, I would never say I'm never going to. I've 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 been fortunate. I've certainly come close to picking up a, a beer, and in recent weeks, probably only two weeks ago, I came about as close as I've come to taking a drink in two years. But um, but but that's a small hurdle. A hurdle that you, you've obviously got over, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, I see drinking was drinking was never my was really something that I didn't really do mm-hmm. that often towards the end of my cocaine using. Um, I used to have a shed that I go down and play darts on my own. Okay. Uh, uh, I'd go and sit in a room on my own. I wouldn't share it with anybody. You know, if I was out with my with the lads, I wouldn't tell them I've got any. But I'd I'd quite easily use theirs. I'll do that. Okay gone and then i'll go home and do mine yeah um i just didn't like sharing it um and you know to give you an scene of of at the beginning of this we i said that you know a, a gram would last a week yeah towards the end a gram was two lines right okay and that's um and what because a, a blog i'm i'm writing at the moment based on a on a podcast i listened to today and it was actually a podcast where they had charlie sheen on as a guest and he's you know he's he's been addicted to to anything he can get his hands on but he he talked about a time where he basically drank a pint of vodka uh and he sat there waiting for that hit that buzz that vodka to do what vodka does you know to us addicts you know for mm-hmm. me for me i used to come home and probably have what would be a triple pub measure with a small splash and that would give me that little buzz and then the edge would come off and then I'd be ready for my wife and daughter to come home mm-hmm. uh, and he talked about gunning this pint of vodka and nothing happened mm-hmm. and he said the feeling of he described it as total absolute and complete despair because his his go-to thing for his addiction stopped working and he had no idea what to do next. Mm. Um, so, so what was a gram of cocaine ba- spread across two lines is, is a reasonable amount, but, but what were you feeling? Oh, you, you weren't, you weren't taking the drugs. You weren't taking the drug to get, to get buzzing by them. Were you Jay? Were you just to, as I, as we sort of say, just to stay normal almost was it? 
it was basically to function because you know I'd yeah. be right, and then you know I've got to try and um, function in the evenings, um, function at work. Uh, so it was really it was a, a mechanism for living, you know, a tool that I needed to live. You know, the only time I ever woke up early for work was if I knew I was going to pick up first thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, other than that, I used to struggle to get out of bed. Um, and then obviously at bedtime, I, I'd I'd take it to go to sleep, believe it or not. You know, it was it was crazy. Yeah, and that's funny, isn't it? Because again, in in my limited experience, um, cocaine doesn't aid sleep to most people, really, does it? No, but when you when you've been awake for so long that it it, it will. Oh no, it will make you think it does. It calmed, it calmed the mind almost. Yeah, everything would chill out, and you'll just lay there with your eyes open and kind of then just drift off. Now, sometimes you'd be asleep for 20 minutes and that would be enough and you're ready for the day and others you'd be asleep for a couple of hours. Okay. Certainly not eight hours sleep. When I was in full addiction, I never very, very rarely did I get eight hours sleep. No, no. Uh, well, you know, cocaine, you know, I'm no cocaine expert, but I'm sure you can't, you can't develop a healthy sleep pattern taking cocaine, can you? No. No, there isn't. There's no such thing, you know. And we've, we've, you know, when when um when I first started taking cocaine, it wasn't, you know, of course, by the time it was only one line, so and it was only small. So come bedtime, I'd go to sleep. You know, I'm full of alcohol anyway, and that would knock me out. And you know, so so yeah, when it grips you like it gripped me, um, really it. it it told me what I was doing instead of me telling it what I, what to do. Does that, mm. that make sense? Yeah, exactly. Totally, mate. And talk to us, talk, talk to me about that voice now. Um, you've been sober for, what, 15 months, you've just said. Um, that voice, that animal, as some people like to call it, um, it's, it's still there. Uh, but yeah. you've, in with CA, Cocaine Anonymous, um, and your 12-step programme, You've you've learned mechanisms to cope with that voice. Uh, has it made the is it easier to ignore your addiction, or how how do you battle? Because I mean, I still battle mine a lot with pure stubbornness, and mm-hmm. that's when I struggle. Uh, yeah. I, if I'm perfectly honest, the last month or so, I've you know I've been so busy at work, uh, I, I stopped, and, and I still haven't got it back. Really, I, I've stopped doing what I do best in to, to battle my addiction and I've relied on stubbornness and, and I, that doesn't, that only works for so long. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Self will, you know, my... it only go so far, won't it? Absolutely. And you know, for me, let's CA, CA and AA is a spiritual program. It's not a religious one. Religious is religion is for people who want to go to heaven. Uh, spiritual programs are for people who have been to hell and don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. and so I pray to a God of my understanding um, and when I first come into the rooms it was nature because my ego wouldn't let it say God Okay. but That's... when I get a thought of you know or wouldn't it be a good idea to go and pick up no one would ever know or you know oh yeah I'm going I'm going uh, I'm going on a stag do maybe I should pick up a load of gear and make sure I'm the, the, the fool of the party as soon as I get these thoughts or any thought come in in that, in that case, um, I pray to my God of understanding. And what that does is it frees that thought and passes it on to something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
you know, when I first was told to do this, I thought, what a load of bollocks. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not praying that. <laughs> oh, I'm hip. You know, who the hell does that? But when you spend all your money on drugs instead of doing it to your ch- parents, spending it on your kids, yeah. you will do anything not to go back to being that person again. And, you know, so that's what I have. To, that's one of many things I have to do. And a couple of other things. One, I have to remember that I have a head that wants me dead. You know, my thinking wants me dead because I'm taking poison every day. Yeah, that's a, that's a very uh, interesting I'm interested the way you say that. That's 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 a very in, uh, interesting. I've said it about four times there, but yeah, um, I, my my head is probably similar, Jamie. You mm. know, al- alcohol is 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 a legal drug, but mm. alcohol would lead me to a coffin very quickly if if I started consuming it again. And my uh, 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 there are still times when my head tells me that. Not necessarily that it's a good idea, but it sort of tries to tell you that it wouldn't be that bad an idea. That's right. You know, well, you know, you weren't that bad. You know, yeah. that time where you did actually go home when you said you would, you yeah. know, 20 years ago. Yeah, it will take you back there. You know, my head definitely takes me back to, you know, oh, it's all right. You know, you, 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 you can do it. You, you'll be okay. You know, and um, maybe I would be the first time. But it yeah. wouldn't be the last time. You know, I've, like I said earlier, you know, I've, I've gone through periods of times of, of being able to put the drugs down, being able to put the drink down. But unfortunately, I've never been able to stay stopped. Mm-hmm. And that's what CA gives me. It gives me the tools to staying stopped. And the, one of the major tools are going and helping another addict who is riddled with fear ego, anxiety, and if you get in the car and go and see them or pick up the phone and talk to them and help them get through their day, by the time you've done that, you forgot all about your problems, you've forgotten about your addiction, and you've made another day clean and sober. And that's the, that's the, the theory, I mean, AA, mm. have, have, that's the, the, the theory of giving back, isn't it, Jamie? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and acting as, a, I don't know, <clears throat> do, you, do you act as a sponsor? Yeah, in fact, I picked up another sponsor this morning, you know, and, and um, it's a wonderful gift to be able to do. Um, and it's a privilege and it's an honour to be able to put somebody through the book because CA actually has shares the same book as AA. Oh, OK. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. all we've done is altered a couple of little things to suit cocaine. But, you know, in, in AA, it is purely, they like to say, alcohol. CA yeah. is any drug. Well, I do AA as well as CA. Okay. Um, but I have service, which is another thing that keeps me clean. Is I'm I do parts at the meetings. I'm you know I was T boy, um, you me greeter, all these kind of things. But if you're that, you have this commitment to the group. You go. Um, but yeah, I do, so CA and AA are very similar. You know, down the line, apart from the odd little thing that's altered. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I attended AA regularly for a, a twelve to fourteen months, mm-hmm. uh, and if I'm honest, I, I stopped going because my favourite meeting started becoming almost making me a little bit anxious because of a couple of people who went, and that's not a good reason mm-hmm. to stop because because you know I'd got to the point where I could actually be of use to other people, yeah. uh, and I stopped going because. 
I didn't like. I mean, the meetings were, in a sense, being hijacked by the same two people every week. But they needed that. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I guess you could say I just quit. But um, uh, I have thought recently whether it's maybe not necessarily AA, but because I have found myself not necessarily battling my, my alcohol addiction, but I've certainly found myself battling my anxiety problems with nothing but my... <clears throat> bloody mindedness uh yeah. and I've, I've i've moved away well, i haven't moved away but where i've been busy with certainly with work and, and family commitments and like, i could use all the excuses under the sun my grass is growing because um, I, i've stopped doing what really did help me you know and, and my blog is about the only thing that i'm fully committed to at the minute it, it, it really does help mm. but i but i do wonder if i need to find myself sort of getting back well, in and potentially offering some sort of service, like back back into what I used to go to a regular Sunday meeting at six thirty in the evening. It was the time was perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, so so maybe it's something I need to look at because I have been, you know, not struggling terribly, but I, I like I say I've moved away from things that were working really well. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you've said that really because, you know, the the, the a twelve step program doesn't just keep us clean and sober from whatever drug that it is that we're we're taking then what it does is it then gives you the tools to live a normal life and the understanding of balance yeah life is always up and down always up and down and if something's not right over there you put all your attention to that and then something over the other side of the world will, or your your life will come unbalanced and you start getting confused and you don't know what you've got to do first, where that's the idea of, you know, me having a sponsor. Mm -hmm. he, he has a crystal ball. He knows what's going to happen. You know, I, I have an addict come to me. They must think, you know, we've all got crystal balls because we know what's going to happen. You know, especially the newcomers who say, well, if you don't do this and you do this, this is what's going to happen. And I've said it to a sponsor before and it's exactly what happened. But when I go and look at that crystal ball, for me, it's cloudy as fuck. It is so <laughs> cloudy, it's unbelievable. That's why I need to phone my sponsor, because I know his crystal ball is clear for me. Yeah. And that's the idea of, you know, getting into this 12-step program. So when we're feeling anxious and anxiety and rest restless and discontent, irritable, restless and discontent, we then phone them up and, and they will tell us whether we're being a princess or whether we're right or we just need to alter a few things. Yeah. And, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I know my sponsor, he's on the phone to his doing the same thing, you know, and he's 12 and a half years clean. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. And he still phones his sponsor. He still does three night meetings a week and two of them he has service. That's why he's managed to stay clean because he's put the effort and time in. Yeah. So it's great that you actually can see maybe it would be if you're thinking maybe it would be a good idea from my experience it normally is a pretty oh pretty, yeah it's, you know, it's, but... it's along the lines of if yeah if i'm thinking of taking a drink then i'm probably going to take that drink at some Absolutely. point mm -hmm. yeah. yeah which which i'm not no. <laughs> hopefully just but... for today just for today and that's yeah. what we can handle yeah yeah, uh, I mean, this is this is like our own little meeting going on here, isn't it, Joe? But but how how obviously with lockdown, I mean, are are the rooms back open now, Jay? Open well, to 
Yeah, they are. Um, they're all becoming face to face again. The odd one is closing Reece, now and again. The odd one will close because of COVID and of course. has to self isolate. Then they just tend to just shut it down. I know over Ashford Way there was quite a big bout of it, so they shut some down. One in Cheriton, they shut down for two weeks. But, you know, they're all opening up again, um, and it is safe. You know, there are measures in there that, you know, we have to take. Um, and, and I know one, one meeting, um, there's no hugging or anything like that, because that was a big thing for me when I first come into the room. I'd never been hugged by anybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was hugging was a big thing. You know, um, and I'm not afraid to say that, you know, it's 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 it, it was for me. But, you know, that's been taken away. And I know in one meeting that, um, you know, a few of them had to self-isolate because it was their side of the room and, and that kind of stuff. You know, it's it is quite safe to go to. Cool. But come when is it? When is it all opening up and it's all going? Is it the 16th of August? I don't know. I, I... Well, I, I assumed I thought the country was open now, but is that are we one step away from everything being fully open? Are we? Yeah, obviously. I, I stopped reading. I stopped reading it. I get confused, to be honest, mate. <laughs> yeah, so so have I. You know, it's 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 only well, it's down to the venues as well and what they've suggested. We have to do what they suggest, really. Um, I know one venue. Uh, well, I haven't been to this one, but I know one venue that there isn't really a lot going on there. But uh, you okay. know. Because they've not put anything in, they've not suggested anything. So, and it's not breaking any guidelines by the government or anything. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, so, I mean, just we've been talking for about what fifty-two minutes. It says here now, Jay. But it sounds, it sounds to me that you've you you've embraced, you know, CA. You've certainly embraced uh, your twelve-step program, and mm. you know. I, I, I attended enough um, AA meetings to sort of understand and know the language you're speaking in and, you know, mm. references to the to the big book, etc. Um, it's something that's close to your heart, isn't it, Jay? And you've, you've really found you've found something that works for you, which is which yeah. is brilliant. Uh, it is. And, and the best thing about it is I've found, I'd say, at least 100 people that I've met, at least, at least that, um, in a short period of time, because don't forget, lockdown happened. Yeah. So, you know, in a short period of time, I've met 100 people. I've got more than that on my phone, numbers. And all they want to do is see me get well. If they phone me, they want to know if I'm doing well. They're not phoning me to go down the pub and make myself iller. They're yeah. phoning me up to make sure I'm well. And it is, it's just like an, a lovely little family full of addicts. Well, that, yeah, that Sunday meeting <clears throat> I used to attend, I mean, the first couple, because I, I attended my first ever AA meeting on Boxing Day, went over to Tenterton, I think, uh, and, and that was brilliant. Uh, very busy meeting over there. And then the more local meeting I attended on a Sunday. The first week, it was brilliant. But I did come home thinking, these people aren't that happy every week. You know, <laughs> they can't be that happy. <laughs> and, and I went back every Sunday and everyone was happy. And every time anyone spoke to me, it was all a positive. And of course, yes, in the, uh, everyone shared and shares involve negativity and getting things off your chest, sharing it with the room, as, as the word suggests. But away from the sharing aspect, everything was positive. It was all encouraging. It was like <coughs> so 
Everyone wanted you to get better. People wanted to share their good experience with AA. Um, and I, I look back, it makes me laugh when I think, because oh, I did come away and think, that oh, it must be because I'm new and they're just, they're just sort of going easy on me. But, but it wasn't. They, it was a room full of happy people who had an addiction to alcohol, but, yeah. but had learnt, come to terms with it and were, were working very successfully, active recovery, embracing you know, the big book, the 12 steps, uh, and just improving themselves on a sort of weekly or daily basis, which is really what it's about, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, it's... If if I, I remember I remember talking to a customer about um, an actor who's in AA. Have you heard of Danny Trail? No. He um, he is the Mexican guy in um, Conair. You've seen. Oh, that. I have. Yes, he does a lot of work in prisons in the states, doesn't he? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a documentary. He's a, he's 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 had something silly like seven hundred acting roles or something ridiculous. Yeah, he's ridiculous, and, and yeah. you know. Um, but he was a heroin addict by the time he was 12 years old. Okay. Now, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but long story short, is I was, I was t- uh, telling a friend of mine about, uh, about his story and about you know, what this what this fellowship gives people. Yeah. And I started saying it, he went, oh, there's no hope, is there? And I went, hang on, <laughs> you know, let me finish. Because at the end of it, you know, he he didn't want to become an actor. He was a, he was a uh, gardener who happened to be in AA. <clears throat> And he went off to go and help another addict who was a lighting. At um, a, a, a movie set. Yeah. And because he was there, that's how he got into acting. <laughs> By going and helping another human being to try and stay clean and sober. He then got his acting career all through going to help another person. You know, and that's what this fellowship gives you is you're not going to get, not everybody's going to become an actor and a millionaire. That's not going to happen. But what the 12 step fellowship will give you are the tools to go and help another human being and you'll feel good about that. And you won't need to pick up a drink or a drug. No. You're helping other people and you're being a much nicer person and seeing life through positive, loving eyes instead of negative, angry eyes. I think. <clears throat> I think that's a perfect way to end our chat for today. Thank you for listening, guys. As always, thank you to Jamie for joining me and for being brutally honest for that hour or so we were chatting. I found it particularly useful. I spoke more than I expected to, to be honest. Speaking to a fellow addict, it might have been something I may have been missing in... The lockdown periods, not attending AA for a long time. Uh, that was my choice before lockdown. Uh, obviously, then I I chose not to to use any Zoom meetings because I'd I'd moved away from AA. But it is CA has certainly been productive, useful, positive for Jamie, and continues to be. He sounds like a man who is is going to be in the program maybe for the rest of his life. Certainly for the immediate future and probably the long-term future. I wish him well with that. I hope Jamie will join me again for a chat in the coming months so that there is more that we could discuss. 
Um, if you have found it useful, please feedback to me. If you have not found it useful, there's something you didn't like, didn't agree with, feel free to let us know, you know. We, as addicts, we we are recovering. We like to, to see it as a positive thing, but we have to also remember the negative aspect. There are a lot of people that get hurt through our addictions you know myself and jamie can attest to that you know we put those closest to us through some dark times um we do understand that maybe maybe we choose not to mention it or or we can't spend the rest of our lives saying sorry for those things we we try to move on and make the best of recovery and in recovery offering services jamie talked about um working as a sponsor to help people new to the program be it alcohol cocaine or or any other vice or addiction um i hope to bring you some more recovery based podcasts i'm in discussion to bring you some greenkeeping information i've got a couple of guys lined up uh, one guy i mentioned before in scotland and James, a gentleman I met working open support, he's agreed to come on and have a chat with me about many aspects of greenkeeping and hopefully some aspects of a mental health within the industry. So that's a chat I'm very much looking forward to too. We'll get back to Owen and the Warmer CC podcasts. We we enjoy that. And uh, there are a few sports podcasts I want to try and put together. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to go down the angle of being a sports fan, a football fan. Uh, it's um, Football has been a big part of my life, my whole life really. Um, and fortunately for many years as a Man United fan, I enjoyed a lot of success. Or my team enjoyed a lot of success. I want to investigate... You know, being a fan of either a not so successful club, maybe a smaller club, or, or a successful club in the past, who have struggled, for years, but since returned to winning ways. Um. Again, I've got a few friends lined up who are going to come on and chat, chat with me about those things. Hopefully, that will be interesting. Thanks again, guys. I'm away for a week. I won't be recording next week, but after that, I hopefully get back to the grind, the work grind, the writing blog grind, and the podcast grind. Um, I'm looking forward to it. See you soon.